I chatted today with Ilian Elborn, who uh, is from Uruguay, and she is uh, really, really interesting. Uh, she's written um, an essay. It's a book on Kindle, but she refers to it as an essay. It's a shorter document, and it's called Making Parenting Better. And she says it's an essay that gives a glimpse of what happens when we start talking about parenting in a frank way. When we highlight which societal conditions we need to improve if we want parents to live happier and healthier lives. She really believes that the burden of care for raising the next generation cannot be carried out by parents alone. And she talks about you know, how we should move from a market economy to a care economy, which is a fascinating concept in itself. And she really feels that parental well-being is key to children's well-being. And I think, you know, pretty much all of us would agree with that. I really hope you enjoy this one. Hi, Elaine. Hi. So good to be here. Oh, it's really good to see you. Um, so I'm really excited to talk to you because um, I, th- I think you're really interesting, basically. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks. So, so paint a picture of, of who you are, where you're from, uh, what your family looks like, what work do you do. Just tell us all of that. Okay. Yeah, so I'm um, Eliane. I'm uh, from Uruguay. I'm 38 years old. I'm, I have a partner, a male partner, um, and we have two kids. Um, I have a PhD in international cooperation and cultural communication. Um, I work for a university that is uh, based in Uruguay, but um, it's got its uh, different campuses all over the country. Uh, especially in remote and rural areas of the country. Mm. Yeah, that's me. I mean, I guess I could tell you a little bit more, but <laughs> you'll well, find I'm, it. Yeah. yeah, I'm quite interested in um, a bit more of the work that you're actually doing with those people. Mm. Sure. Yeah, so <clears throat> what I do, I do many things, but one of the things that I do that I, that I enjoy the most is that we go out on missions to rural rural parts of the country, parts that are remote, that are not uh, really on the circuit of higher education, and we go ask them what their needs are. So what are their training needs? What are their certification needs? What they think about um, higher education, how they can be included. Uh, most of the times, um, these people are absolutely excluded for from like formal education. Um, so our our you know point or our mission is to help them jump in you know jump into the system and get the training they they need, get the certifications they they need to get better jobs. And, um, yeah, just basically get better uh, opportunities in life. And, you know, you know, some of the times we uh, think that, you know, the regular or the, or the market or, you know, companies can offer that to them. But most of the times what they tell us is that they're okay the way they are, you know. And, um, you know, even if they want 
their knowledges and their um, their competences being certified and being recognized by society, um, they're okay. They're in contact with nature. They're uh, doing well, and you know, some of the times they they tell us they need some kind of training, or or they would like their kids to you know do better than what they did. Uh, but you know, it's it's a very interesting exchange of worldviews. You know, it's not it's not only you know what I mean, like very uh, eye opening, and um, sometimes we forget the value that nature has and the value that you know other things other than money have for people right because that you're talking about and 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 i think that this is pertinent to the story that you and i are going to go and talk about in a minute but we're talking about people who have lived in their own culture for generations and generations without sort of the classic western society western culture coming in which which really and I and I recognize at the start that I gave a, an, a UK version of your name. I said Elaine. It's yeah, no, that's fine. Elian. Elian. What a beautiful yeah. way to say it. Elaine's my middle name. So I'm now going to take cool. it on Elian from now on. It's much nicer. Yeah. So I, you, you've written this um, really, really interesting book, uh, or you call it an essay. So it's a book on Kindle, but you refer to it as an essay. And it and it is a shorter piece, isn't it? I think that's probably fair to say. And it was, I found it intriguing. I found it raw. It was honest. And it was about um, the, the journey of motherhood. Yeah. And I just wanted to take a moment to read the description that's on Kindle, if you'll bear with me with that. Absolutely, yeah. It's called Making Parenting Better, and it's an essay that gives a glimpse glimpse of what happens when we start talking about parenting in a frank way, highlighting which societal conditions need to improve if we want parents to live happier and healthier lives. Honestly, if we want more people to have kids, changes ought to happen. The burden of care cannot be carried by parents alone. Beginning with the pregnancy, the rebirth as a mother, the chaos that arises with the arrival of the baby, the desperate search of a return to balance, and then the awakening of a new version of me. The book goes through areas of pain, anguish, despair, and unparalleled happiness. It describes how we unravel and rebuild ourselves from the ashes as mothers, becoming aware of the processes, the societal um, mandates, and the loneliness that usually abounds in motherhood and parenting. This uncut version reviews the main literature on parenting in the postmodern era, talks about everything openly, to propose a rebirth towards the ethics of care, redefining justice and democracy. I mean, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. you know, we were in contact. I read it on Kindle and I just thought, oh, I have to talk to this woman. <laughs> so tell, tell me about your personal journey. And I'm wondering if there's a link to the work that you do with these um with these different cultures, these tribes, people in different cultures and, and just, you know, and your own journey as a mother, you know, what led you to write this? Yeah. So when I wrote it, it was in um, the beginning of the pandemic. So it was, I think March, 
2020, um, I had a three-year-old and I had a six-month-old baby. Uh, and we were all, you know, confined and like, all yeah, four people in a very small apartment, um, people who, you know, you know, we were working there, we were caring for our kids there, our kids didn't have any schooling or or anything like that, you know, my three or three year old had zoom classes, um, which was insane, you know, because it wasn't for her, it was for the family. I mean, clearly a three year old can't really like log into zoom and yeah. But the point is, is that I felt so alone, you know, I felt so like left behind from every point of view, you know, from the government, from a family point of view. And, and, and it really dawned on me, like comparing how other cultures do parenting, that in Western societies, um, we're really left to our own devices in terms of parenting. You know, you do your best, you buy whatever you can buy from the market, you know, care services or nannies or, you know, cooks or cleaners, um, school. Uh, but if you don't have those resources, like being economical, being, you know, your own family that can take care of your kids or help you take care of your kids, you're, you're just basically left alone. And what I say is that even if I have a partner, uh, two is not enough to care for babies, you know? Um, and, and it really, um, yeah, I've, I've been thinking about this forever, how we're, like families are forgotten and we're the, we're the key uh, nucleus of society. You know, like we're raising next generations. We're raising uh, like the agents of the future, the, the people who are going to create the future. And we're, you know, in Latin America, at least maybe in some European countries, it's not the same, but in Latin America, we're like left alone. So we're left like completely on our own, uh, on our own to, you know, care for our kids and to, you know, if we can buy it from the market, we're done. Uh, so, yeah. So, and going back to these tribes or these um, like rural populations where, you know, there's a very different conception of parenting and of families, which is, um, you know, communities take care of the kids. So, of course, mothers are with their kids are, are um, you know, they know who their kids are. It's not that they're left for the community. But there's a real concern about the well-being of kids from all the community. So all the you know people who are part of this community are concerned that these kids are well taken care of. You know, in terms of you know, feeding and taking care of taking care of them and clothing and education. And there's more of a, a communal sense of family, not just like an individual. You know, like two parent, two kids kind of conception of family yeah yeah I, I guess in the in the UK it's I don't have the the stats to back this up but I guess that the vast majority are now nuclear families so you know and they're doing the best they can that whole idea of extended families where you know grandma and aunt and uncle lived in the same street and are able to help I don't feel that that's a reality anymore I mean there obviously are cases of that but it's not the norm anymore and and I guess from our 
in the UK, our perspective, and, and globally, because you talked about the pandemic, you know, the austerity cuts, you know, way back since 2008. So all the support, the professional services, they're all run ragged, you know. Yeah, Social exactly. workers have learned out. And it's also interesting because I've traveled in Latin America and South America and parts of Europe and children are really celebrated in that you can go out to restaurants and kids can run around and, you know, and, and, and they, it, it feels like kids are more welcomed. There's almost a sense of that. Um, everybody enjoys them in the way that you're talking about those rural populations. Everybody nurtures and cares for the younger generation. Yeah. Yeah. And for sure. And, and, you know, and that's key because sometimes we just forget how, um, you know, parental well-being is key to the children well-being in terms of like, you know, your sanity and your ability to work and your ability to provide for them. But, but not, not, not only in terms of like material things, but in terms of like, um like the real burden of like health you know well-being and mental well-being and just like spiritual um yeah support and 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 there are societies that just forget about that you know that that I mean that's not that's not an issue you know that's not a policy issue you know that's beyond what can be legislated or what can be you know turned into a policy and um yeah and the point i guess of writing the book is to just like shift a little bit you know put the spotlight on that on how families are carrying all this huge burden of society which is you know just creating the next generation of kids who are going to, you know, supposedly be better people than us and do better things than us, you know, and replace us and be better than us. So, um, so, so just turning the spotlight on that and, and, and looking at this, you know, shift into, you know, instead of a market economy into a care economy where we talk about, um, exactly you know an economy that focuses on care you know in 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 european countries there's it's even worse because migrants are doing all the work that uh people don't want to do so the job for those migrants is is, you know the intersectionality of care is so important and especially for women you know for women who are, you know, migrating from other countries to, you know, take care of the elderly or the people who are sick in European countries and, you know, Latin American people who are migrating, you know, and doing that in in Europe. um, It just creates a a different sense of of unfairness for for women, you know what I mean? And um, because one thing is caring for your own family and another thing is, you know, going abroad and taking care of someone else's family and you know what I mean? And, um, and doing that uh, for salaries that are, or, or conditions that are not really regulated by the States. So um, it really uh, makes sense for me to look at that, look at how the care economy is working and what we can do to change that and to improve the conditions for women who usually carry all the burden for that. 
Yeah, it's a really, really good point you make because um, you know, I think about the 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 women either I've met or I've heard of who have left their own children in their home country to be brought up by other people so they can go and get a paid job caring for somebody else's. Now, now your, your book, um, you know, there were times when it felt like I've already said raw and quite bleak, you know, you were like, this is really, really tough. You know, finding me, you know, there's, there's, in in fact, I've got a note of a bit that was just so gorgeous where you talk about, um, you know, shaking hands with three people, you know, shaking hands with myself, you know, shaking hands with my baby and and shaking hands with the new me, you know, it's, it's, um, and there, but it wasn't, it was in no way a bleak book, you know, it was a, it was a joyous book celebrating motherhood. And I just wondered whether, um, you know, for anybody who's out there who maybe is a new mother, you know, and is feeling, you know, left so alone or left behind, I wonder whether you could just maybe share a couple of examples of of when maybe you felt like that. So people yeah. might get a sense that what's going on for them isn't isn't only them. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, and this is an anecdote that is in the book, is um, <clears throat> when um, we went on a vacation with my family. Um, so it was my husband and the baby and my three, at the time, I think she was a four-year-old, and my mom-in-law, my mother-in-law. So we were all there in this like nice summer house in Uruguay, and it was dinner time, and everyone was like, and my husband was like, oh, let's go get grab a bite outside, you know, like somewhere in a restaurant or something. And I was so beat, you know, I was tired. I didn't want to go. Um, I was still breastfeeding my baby. Um, and I said, okay, you guys go um, and I'll stay here. And, and I remember feeling so lonely with the baby, you know, everyone gone to the restaurant and I'm there like really like an unhappy, like, you know, like, uh, just like awful felt awful you know alone with the baby because I was so tired I couldn't really like get myself to like you know change clothes and like get take a shower and just go out um and I knew like if I did that I would have felt better but I just couldn't do it you know I couldn't like get myself to just like snap out of it and do it I was so tired and so like out of me you know, mm. so outside of myself. So, so I, I guess that loneliness and that like sense of like lost, of, like you lose yourself, you know, you're caring for someone with such intensity and such like 24 seven, you know, uh, cycle that, that you, you lose yourself. Mm. And, um, and yeah, I was when, when the babies grow and you also grow out of that stage of, you know, breastfeeding and you grow out of that non-sleeping at night because that also passes, you know, what time babies learn to sleep and you go back to sleeping all night or sleeping the, the, the time, the, the necessary hours to be like a functioning human being. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And not like a zombie, like a coffee drinking zombie. Um, you just realize like, during that time, you were just lost, you know, lost to your baby and lost to that time that 
is like every day is the same day of, you know, caring for the baby and, and feeling like you're just doing that, you know, like, and especially when you're a professional and you've worked all your life and you're older, you know, when I, I had my first baby, I was 31. Um, like, and I had a life, you know, I already had my master's degree and, you know, I worked a lot. And when I, you know, and I had a baby and I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm just doing this with this little human 24 seven all the week, you know, and I'm not doing anything like productive or that my brain's working with that. I feel like I have a mission in life. You know what I mean? So like, um, we go into motherhood with this, you know, independence and, and autonomy, and then you lose it because you have this baby, you know, and, and that's the transformation. But the good part is, is that you recover it afterwards. You're just someone else, <laughs> you know, like you're recovering from a different point of view and with, uh, with experiences that are really, you know, life-changing and life-altering. So yeah, but they're not alone. You know, we all feel that, um, it's very lonely if you can reach out to your friends, your family or professional services, if you have access to it, do it because, um, you're not alone. That's, that's really how it works for all of us. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nicely said. And, and it's really interesting because there's a paradox in there of what you yeah. were just saying in that we kind of feel that, you know, we're not being productive. We're not, we're not, you know, 24 7 we're looking after this baby but then also the point of that is we are bringing the next generation yes. forward so it's supremely productive yeah and beneficial exactly. to society and that, that is that paradox of like labor you know that like women labor what we do that is unpaid and that is not rewarded in any way other than our kids loving us you know, like that, and that's so rewarding, but at the same time, it's not, you know, we don't get paid for taking care of our babies. We don't get, uh, you know, any other rewards other than the love of our kids. And I'm not saying that's not enough. It's definitely great. And we all love it. And that's, you know, part of what makes it so fulfilling, but Part of it, I think, is like society not recognizing what we do, you know, and that is the paradox, you know, that we were talking about. Um, it's not recognize how important it is and the work that women do in just bringing up the next generation. Um, and, and that's how you, you know, and that's why you feel so non-recognized or that you're not doing anything productive when, in fact, you know, you're just bringing you know more life into earth which is yeah. crazy and yeah. keeping a human alive which is like hello yeah absolutely <laughs> now i i asked you uh in an email about yeah. um uh you, you might remember i asked you what your opinion was about um initiatives like lean in which is the cheryl sandberg um what do you call it? A movement? I don't know what you call it. Um, yeah. This idea that that um, organisations, businesses should make it more equitable for, and I think sometimes it's happening. You know, I hear about people their shared paternity and maternity leave. You know, but but do what do you think about that? About you know businesses actually starting to see women in the workplace 
to be supported as they bring up their children do you see yeah. anything in there yeah i think um i have this whole chapter in this in, in my essay about um yeah about women who leave the workforce when they have kids and they have to return or they take you know parental leave and and then they're out of you know out of the loop for a couple of months depending on how long the parental leave is in your country um and i think you know the main difference that i see is between mothers and the rest of the world like i see women who are professional and who don't have kids do the same i mean not exactly the same but have a a very interesting journey in terms of like their work very similar to men you know but the problem is or i think the the real uh, gap comes with with kids, you know, when women have kids and it's not only parental leave, it's also, you know, if the kids get sick or if the kids can't go to school because whatever. And it's always assumed that women are gonna be in charge of that. Like um, if they're sick, like who's gonna stay with the kids? Like it's obvious the default is mom is, like mm -hmm. dad generally doesn't stay with the kids or at least here in Latin America, maybe in Europe, it's a little bit different. Um, and that really starts uh, getting, you know, a, ga a gap of, you know, not being present or not being able to, you know, network as much as men do. Um, and I think, and this is a, you know, something that I've noticed in during the pandemic, then, you know, home office and being able to work from home was key for moms because we juggled everything and i'm not saying that we should but we did you know like we were juggling kids and the work and everything but everyone was in the same conditions you know everyone was at home and everyone you know networked same thing as we did you know and 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 i think it sort of like leveled the field play for everyone in terms of you know the exposure that you had to your colleagues and the exposure you had to your family. And I think a lot of men like saw what was going on inside their homes during the pandemic, like whatever, you know, what it is to have kids and, you know, feed them and clothe them and make them, you know, everything that, that uh, having kids entails. So I think it really, you know, gave, uh, yeah, level up the play field, the playing field for for women and men. Now we're going back to more normal, but still for moms, that was that was awesome. The flexibility to you know having the flexibility to not go to the office, and if the kids are sick, staying in, and and I think those kinds of efforts are key for moms to return to jobs after they have kids. Um, and things like lean in are good. You know, I think everything adds, you know, everything is good. Everything in that sense really adds to the cause and gives people, you know, um, just frameworks to like hang on to when you're desperate, you know, uh, and, but we're talking about, you know, women who are professional and who have uh, the opportunity to leave their kids in school or with someone or have, you know, and it's not all women that have that kind of access, but I think it's good. I mean, the more we can do to help our fellow women, 
great, I think. Yeah. Yeah, because um, exactly what you're talking about is, you know, people in high, high levels of, of huge corporations versus the woman who's maybe working in the supermarket. And if she misses another shift as her kid's sick, yeah. then she's going to be um, let go. You know, that kind of difference. So if you were, um, I keep chucking in questions. Sorry. <laughs> if you were yeah. like, you know, if you were president of the world. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and you had, and you had an unlimited budget. Yes. What would you, what would you do for, for, well, I mean, for one, I would definitely, um, um, yeah, give families. And I think some countries like in the north of Europe, you know, like Sweden or Finland are doing kind of what I think the ideal thing is, is that giving families money so that they can do whatever they want. You know, if you want to stay in with your kids which is awesome, stay in, but you don't have to worry about the money or the income that comes in. If you don't want to stay in with your kids and want to go out to work, well, you have the money to either, you know, hire someone or take them to school or, you know, so, so just give families support in terms of money and in terms of infrastructure and institutions and access to healthcare and access to health professionals that can, you know, psychologists, maybe if you're feeling, you know, if you have postpartum depression, and you don't have the money to go to the psychologist or, you know, like in, in the States where insurances are insane yeah. uh, and you can't access that kind of healthcare, like, of course, it's going to be hell for you and the baby, you know? And, and I think nowadays, if I were the president of the world, I'd love that. Um, yeah, that's what I would do. I would, I would definitely, you know, instead of supporting corporations and saving, you know, banks, from like global collapse or whatever, I would save families. Cause I think we are doing the vast majority of, you know, heavy lifting in society. And we should be, you know, given that net, that, that, um, yeah, that support that we, that we need, you know, and not the banks and not the hedge funds and the, um, you know, like millionaires um, that, you know, go out there and like live in the finance world. But that's just my uh, non-cynical view of the world, you know. <laughs> well, I, I I really feel like I want to burst into song with, you know, children of the future. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well and make them lead the way. I, I think, yeah, yeah. I mean. And it's not even that complicated because if you think about it, it's not like you have to like change the structure or the DNA of people where you have to like invest in like huge infrastructure, science, whatever that that's millions. It's just investing in families, you know, just like shifting a little bit of what you do for corporations. You just do it for families, you know, because if families have access, you know, if families or if moms are dads can see them with their kids, or if it can they send them comfortably to school, then they can do something else. They can be entrepreneurs, they can buy more, they can consume more. And that's gonna, it's not even, you know, changing our production system, our capitalism. It's just shifting a little bit of the weight in society. You know, what do we care about? Do we care about like Lehman Brothers or do we care about, you know, 
us who are like supporting kids and, you know, making sure that these kids are like good humans and that they, you know, save the world, you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, for me, you, you, you summed it up in a nutshell, you know, halfway through this podcast and you said parental well-being is the key to children's well-being. And I think if I, I don't think it, I would even, even being the president of the world wouldn't be enough. If I had a superpower, yeah. I would I would want everybody to really innately see that they're okay yeah. and that well-being is within and yeah. that that all the assumptions and comparisons and the judgments and the criticism and the self-judgments self-criticisms yeah. they're kind of we don't have to go there. I would kind of I would get a big syringe and I and I'd get rid of self-judgment self-criticism <laughs> The whole lot. And just, you know, we're all okay and we're doing the best we can moment to moment and it's good enough. Yeah. And one thing that I didn't tell you, but I think it's it's important and you reminded me of it is the mandates, you know, like what society mandates on yes. women, you know, being a good mom, being thin, having a great job, do wearing the nice clothes. And it's like, it's never ending. You know what I mean? Like, where does it end? It never ends. So, so you know, and, and that that scenario the classic yeah. scenario of mum has lost it in the supermarket and yes. the child and she's got the child by the shoulder yeah. and she's screaming yeah. and people are all judging. Yeah. And so she's trying to control. Well, she's just trying to get through that moment and there are people staring and, and so she feels even more judged. And it's like, those are the moments where we could be more compassionate and just assist instead of pointing the finger like do you need anything you know yeah. it's really not that hard yeah. you just talk yeah. to this person and say do you need anything can yeah. I carry something for you yeah. can I you know are you okay you know and it's not even yeah. that hard you know it's yeah. it's it's the small things in life yeah. that really have a huge yeah. impact in our lives yeah. and yeah. you realize when you have those like little kindness like acts of kindness that are not even that but a little bit you know they are a little bit that your day changes it does you know you talk to 100%. someone and you're kind to someone and then suddenly a day that was all you know like full of uh, concerns or whatever is like a better day and yeah. you're not even on the other side of the kindness you're on the giving side you know yeah. what I mean yeah and yeah I yeah, mean, literally I making eye contact and sharing a smile and walking away. It's uh, yeah. it's important stuff. Um, yeah. So, I mean, we've covered a lot. We yes. could talk for a lot longer yet. Um, if you had a message for anybody who's sort of resonating with with what you're saying, you know, what would you say to them? What would that message be? I'd say, don't give up. Uh, I'd say everything passes, you know, even if you're now in, in a deep hole, it passes, you're, you're, you're going to go back to your normal self. Um, and I think um, it's good to talk. I mean, just talk about it with your friends, talk about it with your politicians, talk about it with mm -hmm. everyone, you know, like really make noise because the more we talk, the more we make it visible, 
the more we'll get the attention that we need to have, you know, to make these changes that I think are fundamental. So yeah, don't keep it piped in. Just talk, let it all out, you know? So I love that. Um, so how would, how would people make contact with you? Um, so let's, let's do the book title again. So yeah. the book's on Kindle. Tell us the title again. It's called Making Parenting Better. Uh, mm -hmm. It's on Kindle. You can also read it in Spanish. If Oh, yeah, because my mother tongue is Spanish. So uh, you can read it in Spanish if you fancy. Um, um, and it's called in Spanish, it's called El Despertar de la Maternidad, which is the awakening of motherhood in, in Spanish. You can reach out to me. I'm on Twitter. I'm uh, on on my email. I can you know leave it for you guys uh, later, so you can access it. And you know, uh, and yes, I would. And I'm on Instagram as well, so I'll leave you um, all the contacts that I have. And please reach out. I I just want to hear from you. So I'd be really really glad to hear uh, from people who heard you know the podcast or want to discuss anything or don't agree with something that I said, which is awesome. And I'd love to discuss and reflect together. So yeah. And thank you so much for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure, you know, and I will get your email and I'll get um, other ways to contact you and I'll stick it all in the show, show notes. But Leanne, it's been my absolute pleasure. I've really, really enjoyed talking to you. And uh, president of the world of the world yes <laughs> that's, what I, that's my next uh yeah my next objective thank Love you it. so much for for your time i really appreciate it really you've been listening to precarious parenting by realization works subscribe to realizationworks.com to access more resources including monthly blogs written to be shared with younger people